just like every other Sunday, and especially on different holidays like Easter and different things like that, it's Mother's Day, and I'm always tempted to just throw out anything the Holy Spirit's telling me and, and just do a typical Mother's Day thing, but um, I usually don't. But this, this Sunday, what the, what the Holy Spirit was leading me to teach on falls right in line with, with mothers, for sure, um, with all of us, but also specifically for mothers. So I do actually kind of have a Mother's Day. That's why I said it's going to be a little bit different. A Mother's Day message. Um, and something, something I've, <laughs> I don't want to say witness because I'm not going to throw my wife under the bus, but something, something I've either, either witnessed in our house or in several other homes or on Facebook blasted publicly or some of the some of the things that mothers deal with, and I have in my head, and I don't know how this is going to go, a scenario <laughs> of of what what mothers deal with every day, and not every day, but uh, a lot of the times. <clears throat> and it usually it usually starts out with everything's going great. I have a cup of coffee. If you drink coffee, I'm going to be a mother for a moment. Um, I have a cup of coffee. Birds are chirping. Everything's fine, and then absolute chaos. I don't know if you have any kids. Um, but I, I know that you can, you can come out of your room and go, okay, we got to get to school and we have three kids and go to different, different directions. I don't want to use ours as an example. Okay. You have eight kids. I'm not, I'm not thinking of anybody. I don't know if anybody has eight kids. I'm sure somebody in here does. Tiffany does. Bill, how many, how many does Bill have? Pretty close. Five, seven, five, seven. All right. Who does, does anybody have six, does anybody have six kids? Does anybody have six kids? Anybody? Okay. Nobody has six kids? Okay. You have six kids? Okay. It's not you. <laughs> Trying not to offend anybody. I'm the mother. I have six kids. I wake up. The birds are chirping. I have my coffee. I walk out. Walk out of my room, <clears throat> and the kids are fighting <laughs> for no reason at all. And I'm, I begin to, my voice begins to elevate, even though I don't want it to. And I say, why is there underwear on the table? There shouldn't be underwear on the table. I don't understand why there's underwear on the table. This is where we eat. We should not have underwear on the table. Why can't you find your shoes? We wear shoes every day. I don't understand why you can't find shoes while you're fighting with your sister. And then, then I go into the other room to get the other, the other kid, or the other three, four kids. I don't know how many kids I have. <laughs> and I find a, a large cup of hot coffee that apparently my husband left in there and forgot. And so I holler at him to come get his coffee, and then I go back down in the, in the kitchen, open the microwave, and there's another large cup of coffee in there. <laughs> and then I go out to my car, and there's one on the roof of my car. And I, was, and I say to my husband, are you really, is there something wrong with you? Can you not remember where you put your coffee? <laughs> and then I finally get a few kids to school and hope that my husband can get the other one to school, other three or four. And... Um, on the way there, I get a call from my mother-in-law, and she is not pleased with the way that I'm parenting my kids, so she begins to tell me, <laughs> she begins to tell me how I should fix those problems um, on this beautiful weekday morning on my way to school, <laughs> and so I get off the phone with her, and I get to school, and, and then I go to work, or go back home, I don't know, I haven't decided yet what kind of mom I'm going to be in this scenario, <laughs> and, uh, and at, well, at some point in the afternoon when I get home, it all unfolds again, and everything is just absolute chaos, and then I go to bed. Um, and then when I get to bed, I begin to explain this to my husband, and he's exhausted from work, too, and he gets frustrated. And so then I'm just ready to quit. I'm out. I don't want to deal with it anymore. I, 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 I can't, so I go to the bathroom to get some peace and quiet. <laughs> Mom! Mom! 
This, this has never happened to anybody? And so I fling the door open, and I run out the door. I was going to run out this door, but I'm not feeling well. <laughs> this would have been much more entertaining if my stomach didn't hurt. So I run out the door, and I, I just say, I quit. I'm out. I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. It's like, I'm done. It's, it's just too much. Have you ever felt like that? It's just too much. I've got to take this kid to horseback riding lessons. I've got to take this kid to gymnastics. I've got to take this kid to dance. I've got to take this kid this place. And nobody's happy with anything that I do. It's just not enough. And I'm frustrated. And I just want to give up. Because I can't, I can't do all the things. Now, I'll say this is about moms. It's about all of us, right? I, mean, I, can't, I can't be the perfect father. And I can't be the, the perfect husband. I can't be all the perfect things that I need to be. And... Uh, and I really, especially on Mother's Day, I just think about all the moms out there that, that get so much pressure, um, either intentionally by people or unintentionally by themselves, because let's face it, we're our worst critics, right? You will beat yourself up 10 times worse than anybody else will. And what I find is the, the, same, the same conclusion we all come to is that we just, we can't do this. We can't, it's this, it's this, it's this roller coaster ride, Right? up and down and up and down and up and down trying to do better trying to do better trying to do more trying to do more and and I, I, I really feel like I found the, the solution to all of it and I know the easy way would be to say Jesus and walk away right <laughs> it's Jesus he fixed it all well he did I'm going to explain um, I'll start off with 1 John 3.16 this is the other John 3.16 this is 1 John 3.16 um, most of you know the John 3.16 everybody has either embroidered somewhere or tattooed on their back or something. This is 1 John 3.16. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus laid, his, laid down his life for us, and I'm an NIV if you want to uh, follow with me in, in the version that I'm in. Um, it says, this is how I, we know what love is. Jesus laid his life down for us. And we ought to lay our, our lives, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, what I see here is Jesus, he's, everything is in correct order here. I don't know how somehow we've gotten things out of order. In many of the church services that I attended, we, we put, do these things so that these things will happen. Instead of putting them in the correct order, he's saying, this is how we know what love is. We know what love is because Jesus laid out his life for us. Now, stop there for a minute. This isn't just because Jesus laid down his life that that's the definition of love. He's, he's, he's telling something that's a little bit deeper here. We've said this several times. You have to have something to give it away, right? You have to have $10,000 in your pocket to give $10,000 away. This is how we know what love is because Jesus laid down his life for us that we could even have that kind of love. That kind of love didn't exist before he gave it to you. The, love, the only love that we knew, and, and we've gone through this, I'm not going to bore you with all the details of the Greek versions of love, but there's different ones. I'm not talking about affection or, uh, or any of the other times. I'm talking about agape love, which is an unconditional love that thinks of others before itself. Unconditional, always thinking, always thinking of others above itself is what love is, which is the very definition of God. The only reason that we can do that is because Christ died for us so that we could have that love in us. Listen, so that we could have that love Where? In us, 
Inside us is where that love is. So he's given us the correct definition. And what follows that is that we could lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. Now, what I love about this is two key words in here, lots of key words, but two I want to focus on is us and our. He laid down his life for us, plural, so that we can lay down our lives for others, everyone. This is a community thing. Individually, we, we can't make it on our own. Without him, we can't, we, we'll, we'll continue running that cycle over and over again, trying to measure up to something that we've somehow either we've created in our heads or the culture around us or the people around us have created this idea that we have to be a certain way. And so we beat ourselves up trying to be something that we think that we're not, right? This is our whole, our whole purpose and push at identity in, our, in this church specifically. We have to know who we are so that we can operate from that place. Do you see the difference? So this is the correct order. Now, just like anything else, I've pulled one scripture out, and we're going to read it in context. We're going, to st- we're going to start back up a little bit above it and read the scriptures around it so we can kind of see exactly what he's talking about here. So we're going to back up to 1 John 3.11. It says, For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. So it was jealous. Tell him don't murder your brother. <laughs> it's okay. Mine rings up here sometimes. It's usually telemarketers or something. Um, I, I got to answer it one day. It'd be pretty funny. Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. So he was jealous. And I'm not going to break this down into a bunch of mini lessons, but this is a, a, good, a good thing to look at. Don't be jealous of someone else's blessings. This is pretty basic. Uh, we went to a, a baseball game last night, and it's, it's really cool. Um, and I'm not into baseball or the Bay Bears or anything, but it's cool because the home team is everybody cheers for them. And even the other players would cheer for them, even if someone else would do something they couldn't do. This is the same way we should be. If someone else succeeds and is successful, we should cheer them on. We shouldn't be jealous of them. We shouldn't try to break them down or tear them down because they're doing better than we are. We should, we should be ecstatic when someone else succeeds, even if we don't. Even if we fail, we should be happy at someone else's success. This is Christ-likeness. All right. Um, I'll leave that at that because I don't want to chase that rabbit too long. Verse 13, do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that <clears throat> we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. He's, he's in correct order again. This is how we know because we love each other. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love each other. It's not love each other so that you can pass from death to life. Once again, you receive something, and then from that place you can actually operate with a new love that you never had before. So this is how you recognize it. Um, we've passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him inside. So he's doing the same thing. He's given a definition. So there's, there is a root and then the fruit. There's the, the heart of what's going on and then the results of it. And so he's telling you how you'll identify what's going on inside on the outside. Verse 16, it's so clear. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees another brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, another translation says closes their heart to them. I like that translation closes their heart to them. How can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. Listen, you can... This, this, is, this is the great mystery and paradox of Christianity. You don't, ha, you don't need to be trained to love. No one needs to train you to love people, right? 
and you don't have to go through any kind of classes or schooling to do that. You can just genuinely love people. The problem is we, we think that that is, that is the cause instead of the result. Does that make sense? We think that the love, the action is the cause instead of the result. When we realize that the Father loves us unconditionally and gives us a, a, a love that only he can give us and a love that we can share with other people, then we can operate from that place, not trying to gain something we already have. Unfortunately, people will take that actions and truth and then they'll say, well, I'm, I just, I'm just telling you the truth in love. And really what they're saying is, I just want to be a jerk and this is my excuse. Be very careful with that. That's not love. If someone cuts you down or tries to hurt you and then throws on the back end of it love or truth, that's just an excuse to be a jerk, <laughs> essentially. That's not love. Here's, here's how you know. This is an easy example, but there's lots of different examples. I've been using this a lot lately. I don't know why, but um, if you, just hypothetically, if you had a $40 bill at a restaurant and you tipped them $60, you don't have to say a word. That's a blessing, right? I mean, you don't have to be acknowledged. You don't, you don't even need to tell anybody that. You can just do that, and that's a blessing. Or if you see somebody in need with a specific need and you, and you are able to help them in a way, not even financially, maybe um, like labor, physical labor, you can come help somebody. That is a demonstration of love. Now, here's where you got to be careful. Either of those things does not gain you any favor with God. It doesn't. Why? Because we're blessed in every way in Christ already. You're not gaining any, any extra blessings, any extra favor, although it'll splash back on you. <laughs> you'll get it. I mean, you'll get some, but that's not why you're doing it. You're not gaining favor. You'll get some blessings physically now. You'll, you'll feel good, but we don't operate just from feelings. The cool thing is when you begin to operate from a place of love and identity and you begin to share that with other people, you'll begin to see that in them and you'll be blessed by it. It's, it's, it's just a, it's the way we work. It's the way God works in and through us. Um, the problem is we, we try to find either identity. We used to say, what do we say? Provision, promotion, position, protection, provision, promotion. We, we, we look to other people to, to fill those, and it's really God who fills those. Listen, you, we've got to be set free. I don't want to go back to my freedom speech from a couple weeks ago. We have to be set free from, um, from everyone else's opinion of us. We, ha- we have to be set free from our, listen to this, listen, listen, listen. <laughs> I used to tell the youth this all the time. Listen, listen, listen. We, we have to, Linda, listen, Linda, listen. Um, you have to be free from your own opinion of yourself. Now, this is key because the Bible tells us that, the, the, that his Holy Spirit, that God is even greater than our own conscience. So if our conscience can keep us regulated to an extent, how much more can the Holy Spirit keep us? Just like I said in the beginning, the Holy Spirit's a big boy. If you're misinterpreting him, it's because you want to. <laughs> He's not weak. If he speaks, he speaks. If you want to listen, you can listen. You don't have to. But he's not weak. He's not tiptoeing around you. Why, like, logically, why would, why? <laughs> why would God sacrifice his son so that he could send us this Holy Spirit if he wasn't strong enough to communicate with us? And listen, when you read his word, that spirit just burst into life. You read it and you go, okay, this is good. It's a good story. I can get a good a moral lesson out of this. You can. And you could live a pretty, I, I say okay, it'd be a miserable life, really, if you just took these as good moral lessons. 
But when the Holy Spirit just explodes these words into life, it changes you. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. And so I, I just want to, I want to hopefully help you to trust the Holy Spirit. Completely trust the Holy Spirit. He will lead you in the right direction. Listen, you, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago. You can identify how the Holy Spirit speaks. He's not the accuser. Unfortunately, a lot of people have, have for some reason, the church has tried to turn him, the Holy Spirit, into Satan. <laughs> like, all he does is tell you about bad stuff all the time when he's supposed to be leading you to good stuff. Anyway, I don't want to chase that rabbit. All right. Verse 19, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. There it is. God's even greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and we receive from him, excuse me, anything we ask because we keep his commands. Now stop there. I've heard people try to go back to Moses and bring the Ten Commandments back here. If you you listen to his commands, that sounds right, right? Keep reading. We keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command. (laughs) He says it right here. To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those are Jesus' commands. The one who keeps God's commands lives where? In him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We We know it how? By the spirit he gave us. Think about that for a minute. Where is he? He's in us. Years, man, years. I struggled and fought to get nearer and closer to God. It was complete good intentions. But the thought process was always that he was far away. Honestly, that he was running away from me. <laughs> like I was trying to convince him to be close to me. And the scriptures constantly tell us that he's in us. He's close to us. He made it a point to come down and demonstrate to us how close he was to us so we could see it because sometimes we're kind of dumb. We don't get it. Yes. Yes. That's the only... We have to realize what love is. But it's the only way we can love in that way. Outside... Outside, outside of Christ living in us, we can, only live, we can only love conditionally. Part of the problem that I've seen relationally with people, within family and friends, is there is always an, uh, an, an unspoken expected return on their investment. That's how the world works. It works fine in, in, in business, but the kingdom's not in business. <laughs> the kingdom's all about blessings. So when, when the kingdom operates, the kingdom operates from a place of unconditional love so that now, here's the cool thing, it frees you up from all that junk that we talked about in the beginning of trying to live up to some great expectation that either other people have for you or you have for yourselves. Because I guarantee you, and I'm not a mom, I'm a dad, and I deal with a lot of the same things too, a lot of the issues that, that I think moms would deal with are these expectations that they put on themselves that they feel like they're not measuring up. Even they feel like sometimes with their kids they're not, they're not good enough or they're not measuring up to Whatever, whatever they think in their heads that they need to be, right? The Holy Spirit frees us from this because now we're not looking at people or even the reaction of our kids or even the, the reaction of other. Now, here's, here's an interesting dynamic, and I talked to Brian about this too, and he had mentioned it to the youth, and it was really good because it's crazy because 
We didn't talk about this before then. He's already talking about the same thing I was going to talk about today in youth last week. And he was talking about acceptance. And he was saying, which is really cool, would you, he was telling the kids, would you be okay posting something on social media and not getting one like or one heart or whatever? Would you be okay with that? And in, in, that, in, in that idea, it's, that opens up my eyes to the same thing that we deal with. Are we okay being who God created us to be and loving our kids and loving our spouses and doing things from that place and not worrying about what everybody else thinks? Are we okay not gaining acceptance from people? We have to get to that place so that we can begin to be a blessing. And, not, and, and this may sound bad. So you're not running around trying to take from people all the time, emotionally. Now, when you're free, you can give. Does that make sense? If we're living conditionally, you are constantly seeking to, to grab some sort of source from people when you weren't meant to grab sources from people. You're meant to grab sources from the vine. Now, the, the cool thing is the Lord can still use the Holy Spirit and other people to build you up. There's nothing wrong with that. But you're not looking for that. That just that'll be a natural byproduct of, of being amongst other believers, son. Galatians two nineteen, Paul speaking, he says, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I've been crucified with Christ, and I, lo- I no longer live, but Christ lives where? In me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's speaking the same thing that he was talking about in 1 John. 1 John says the same thing. That's the definition of love is that I give up my life. Now, this is another thing that sometimes can be a little bit misinterpreted. When, when, when Jesus gave up his life for us, it wasn't just that he gave up his life so that he could um, take away our sins, although that was the first step. The second step was so that we could have eternal life and we could have a life more abundantly even now on earth. And he even says, I don't seek to take you out of this earth. You're going to go through trials and tribulations, but it's okay because I'm going to be with you. He continually confirms the fact that he's with us all the time. So now when we get into those positions, especially in the ones where you're, and it's always like, I always call it the shoestring breaking. Like it's everything is built up, but the shoestring breaks and you snap, right? Or you're in the bathroom and they knock on the door <laughs> and you're like, enough, I'm done. It's always, it's, it's not that point. It's all the other stuff that's built up to that point. Now, I'll tell you this, too, and there's lots of different personalities, lots of different moms, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but some moms will tell you, will tell you that right in your face, everything that I kind of described, and some of them will keep them all in and pretend like they're super moms, where they really are super moms, but it'll be back in the back of their heads, and they're stressed out, but they'll put on a pretty face and, and pretend like everything's okay until one day they crack and they fall apart. We Listen... Jesus is not setting some bar that you can never reach. It doesn't make any sense for him to do that. The law had already done that. Jesus took the bar and broke it over his knee and came down and met you so that he could meet the bar for you. That doesn't just go for forgiveness of sins and and eternal life, but it trickles its way all the way down into everything that we do, raising our kids, relationship with our friends, with our coworkers, when we, when we operate from a place of absolute acceptance and love in Christ and complete freedom from, from any, any bar that we either, we either set for ourselves or other people set for us, when we break that bar, we're now free. <laughs> and freedom is good. Freedom is, is what helps us discover who we are and how we can actually minister to other people instead of being so self-referential all the time. 
How can I get better? How can I be a... We talked about it. Man, we had a great conversation Wednesday night. How can I be a better Christian? I've heard people say, oh, I know this guy. And, he's, and they know that I'm a pastor. They know I'm a Christian. They're like, he's a real big Christian. And I imagine this giant. <laughs> I'm a big Christian. <laughs> like Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. But we, we've treated it as though it's this, it's this ladder that we're climbing. And some of us are higher up on this ladder. And we're so much more mature when none of you need to be trained to love one another. And those are Jesus' commands. I tell you what, there's nothing more beautiful than a, a, someone who has just come to know the Lord, who's been born again, that just goes out and loves people before the church comes in and ruins them. Sorry. Before the church comes in and starts putting stuff on them. No, you, you can't do it that way. You have to do it our way. Listen, there's, there's nothing more beautiful than, than, than Christ coming in and, and, and residing in a person with unique talents and unique abilities and using that person to operate from that place to minister to people. And unfortunately, what we've done is we said, no, well, that's not acceptable. You have to look like and act like us. When if we all look and act the same, how are we going to reach anybody? Listen, when you're free, when you're free from all these expectations and these, uh, these unrealistic uh, bars that have been set for you, when you're free from some of those things, now the sky's the limit. Because now you have, you're not even operating in the natural anymore. Now you have something supernatural residing inside of you. So now you're not even limited by your own abilities. Now you have your abilities and then God <laughs> with, with absolute unlimited abilities. Where, where have we reversed and, and gone backwards on that? Somehow we reversed and said, no, it's, it's all about us again. Here's a phrase I don't know if you've ever heard. Tell me if you've ever heard this. Let me see if I say it right. I've heard it a lot. A lot of different pastors and messages. Uh, pray like it all depends on God and work like it all depends on you. And somewhere they meet in the middle. Have y'all ever heard that? What? Good luck. Good luck with that. No. Pray like it all depends on God and work like it all depends on God because <laughs> it all depends on God. I mean, think about that for a minute. You can't do any of this on your own. I promise you, you can't. You'll be miserable if you do. Do we work? Do we have stuff that we do? Yes, we do. But it still all depends on God. There's no, he's our source. He created us. He knows how you run. If he knows the numbers of hair on, hairs on your head, he knows what makes you happy. He knows what brings you joy. It's him, but <laughs> he knows what brings you real joy. Outside of your circumstances, outside of your, your frustrations and, and misunderstandings or hurts. And man, some of us have some deep hurts. Outside of those things, he knows how to fix those things. And if we go to other people to, to try to find those, we're trying to grab things that they're not supposed to be giving us anyway. I don't know if I want to go all the way back here. Well, I'll briefly go over it. I'm not going to read through the whole thing. You guys know the Abraham and Isaac story? Abraham and Isaac story in Genesis? Abraham goes to sacrifice the son and... and uh, this is the son that God promised him, and then he goes up the mountain to sacrifice his son. He picks the knife up, and God says, wait, wait, wait. I got you. I got a ram in the thicket. He brings a ram out, and he sacrifices the ram in the place of Isaac's son. It's a picture of Jesus. I've got a sacrifice in place for you. Listen, everything, everything you think that you can do, or think, think there's, there's some kind of way that you've got to live up to, Jesus has already done it. 
He's already, he's already created a sacrifice for you in that place. Listen, he, all he expects from you is absolute faith and trust in him. And unfortunately, we've created this image of, of <laughs> the Godfather instead of God the Father. <laughs> we've created this angry God that's just some cosmic killjoy and doesn't, want, doesn't, doesn't care for us and doesn't want to meet us where we are and see what's going on in our lives when he does. Listen, I, said, I think I said last week, there is absolutely nothing that could stand between me and my kids. If, if, if there was a barrier of some sort and, and my kids were on the other side, there is was, there was nothing uh, other than just me dying trying to get to them that would stop me from getting to them. Listen, that's how God sees you. He's not stopping anything to get to you. And this is the opposite of what I heard. It was always about what I could do for God. The cool thing is when I discovered how much he had done for me is when I really woke up and started doing things for God. Because everything else was about me gaining some kind of favor. It wasn't about him. Everything that I did before I understand how much he loved me was me trying to, trying to be a better orphan and work and try and try and just, just I hope God sees me in all this. But it was all out of, genuinely, if I look deep down, it was selfish ambition. It was so that, so that I could gain something, so I could get something. And once I realized there was nothing that I could do to, to satisfy him fully, that Jesus had already done that, and he loved me fully, the, the light went off in my head, and I said, oh, I get it now. now. Now I get it. Now I can change, for real. So go back to 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters, plural, everyone. We have to receive it to give it away. There's no, there's no greater love because <laughs> there is no love that is like the love that God gives us. So it's not a competition. There just genuinely is no greater love. There's no greater love than the agape love that God has given you in your heart right now. And it frees you from, from all the transactional relationships that you've ever had. And I want to encourage you, especially husbands in here that have wives, that gift is to, to build your wife up in everything. And I'm preaching to myself too. Build your wife up in everything that she does because it's, it's our it's our words as husbands that are like water <laughs> that that grow the 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 beauty that our wives have and it always and the crazy thing is every time that I live outside of myself and 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 love my wife in a in a way that is contrary to, to the way I think like she doesn't deserve it like if she's done something that I'm offended by or something like that and and I try to withhold. That's another key too. There are sometimes when you don't say something that says a lot. When you withhold affection from someone, be very careful with that because you don't have to say it sometimes. Sometimes you're saying a lot by pulling back and withholding any love or affection. Be very careful with that. The times when I want, when I, when I naturally kind of pull back a little bit like that and I go and pray about it and God says, don't do that. And the Holy Spirit says, eh, you love her like I loved you and you're pretty screwed up. You did, you're worse than she is. <laughs> Go love her like I loved you, and then I do. And I tell you what, the same thing I said, it always bounces back, and I end up getting a blessing from it. Because I'm living outside of myself. I'm drawing from a different source. Do you see it? 
If I'm drawing from her and I'm upset with her, now I'm lacking somewhere. If I'm drawing from God, he doesn't lack. Why? Because he fills all things in every way. There's no lack. He just keeps giving and giving and giving and he's never without. It's not just your spouse either. With every relationship you come in contact with, with your kids are the same way. Don't make it transactional. All right, I'm rambling now. I've got a few verses and we're going to close and we've got a surprise for you guys. You want to go grab? All right. We've got a surprise for the moms in here and really all the ladies because I'll, I'll tell you about that in a minute. Romans 5.5 5 says, I just want to re- reiterate, uh, reiterate this, this point. These are just a few verses I grabbed. It says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. In John 13.34, it says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So, so now you must love one another. In 1 John 4, it says, Anyone who does not love and does not know Anyone who does not love does not know God because what God is love. This love that we have, especially for your moms, I didn't understand it as a dad. I didn't understand love for kids until I had kids. I could pretend to know, same thing with marriage. I didn't understand, I thought I had marriage figured out until I got married, same thing with everybody. I thought I had kids figured out until we had kids. My kids aren't going to do that. There's a love that you have to experience. And I want to encourage you, if you've never experienced this love, get with me after, after service. We'll talk about it. I'll pray for you. There's, there's a love that you have to experience that I can't explain from up here that you have to, you have, to have in your heart to, to experience and feel it. And so I want to get with me or, or Ben or, or Buddy or any of these guys around here. Um, we'll pray with you. We'll talk to you. Um, but this love is, is greater than the, your love for pizza. Or, <laughs> or your love. This is our language is a little bit broken here, where this is a different type of love. This is agape love, and it's unconditional, and it always thinks of others before themselves. So, what I want to do, you guys stand up. They're going to be coming in here in a minute with the kids. Um, oh no, not everybody stand up. Just the ladies, and you don't have to be a mom. I want all ladies to stand up. And the reason I do this is, um, my pastor Mark uh, always did this, and I always was very encouraged by it. Because there's a lot of ladies in here that either can't have kids, or there may be, I don't know. There may be ladies in here that can't have kids. There may be ladies in here that are going to have kids one day. And there may be ladies in here that have been kind of uh, adopted mothers by other kids who are like neighborhood moms. And so I don't want to leave any of you guys out. Um, And so the kids have been, uh, I think they've been preparing something for you guys over there. I think it's going to be pretty cool. And they're going to be coming here in just a minute. But I'm going to pray for you guys, and they're going to come in here, okay? You go good? I don't want to embarrass anybody. Father, I just pray right now over all the moms in this place and the moms that have been working out there with the kids as well <clears throat> and all the ladies in here that have either been surrogate moms or, or um, adopted moms, <laughs> um, Lord, that, that you have given them the gift to love the kids, Lord, and to reach out to them and to minister to them and to, to treat them the way that you treat us. And so, Father, just remind us of that as we, as we walk this out in our lives, Lord, that we would, we would walk it out in action and in truth, or we just wouldn't talk about it, but we would actually do it. And so I just thank you for all the ladies that are represented here today, um, and I thank you for uh, all the ladies that help prepare and work with these kids to make these gifts today. In Jesus' holy name, amen.